Welcome to Great Move North. If you're just looking, just wondering, or even just about to do it, then this just might be the place to start. We meet the people who've actually taken a leap of faith and jumped. As they land, there's challenges, sometimes despair. But that's followed by smiles and silent amazement at the sights that now surround them. Tanya Carter set up Limestone Books, defying all the warnings of the risk that she'd be crushed by online titans. With little business knowledge, and despite those gargantuan giants and a persistent pandemic, Tanya not only survived, but thrived. I asked her how she did it. So Tanya, your life has turned into a shambles here. (laughs) Kind of. And how did it happen? (laughs) Uh, I'd been we'd, I'd been living in Settle for a few years, didn't really know what I wanted to do, had worked part-time in a couple of shops while I was finishing a master's degree, um, and then just decided I didn't like where I was working or what I was doing, needed to stop. What was the master's degree in? Creative writing. Really? Mm-hmm. So you're an author nah. amid the books? <laughs> well, a pretending author amid the books. Um, so then I took... I think probably about two years out because we're in a big rambling house that was still a work in progress. So I was just playing with that and sorting the garden out. I went on holiday and I went in a couple of independent bookshops and they stopped me in my tracks because I realised it had been so long since I'd been in one. And I was thinking, why hasn't Settle got one of these? It would be great in Settle. And then we came home and a few days later I was walking around town and saw some shops up for rent. I went, oh, that would make a good bookshop. And I literally stopped and went, Maybe I could open a bookshop. I wonder how difficult it is. Made a couple of phone calls. That was in May and I opened in September 2019. Where was the holiday? Uh, Hexham and Coolbridge. And the independent bookshops? Mm-hmm. Um, Cogito Books in Hexham and um, Forum in Coolbridge. I stumbled across two brand new independent bookshops and I honestly couldn't remember the last time I'd been in one. Don't get me wrong, I love books, obviously. I love reading, always have done, but it had never crossed my mind before to open a bookshop. I don't know why. It was just seeing them and seeing how beautiful they were and how lovely they could be. The actual interiors of the shop, the way they looked, the way they'd got books laid out as if they were works of art and things like that. That's what I really was taken by. Describe the feeling. Uh, Oh, that was weird. I got got a bit goosebumpy then when just thinking about it. It was just... I don't know, it's like weights being lifted off my shoulders. It's like I'm I'm so used to being in bookshops where there's too much to look at and you just feel a bit overwhelmed by it all and you can't see the wood for the trees. But the way they'd got everything laid out, you could see what was there. You wanted to touch them, you wanted to read them. Every single book they had out looked like something I wanted to buy. And it was just lovely. It was really, really nice. It made me happy. And what are the antecedents of this property then in the shambles in Settle? This, before I had it, was a jeweller's shop. And before that, it was a um, gallery, a photography gallery and card shop. Before that, I don't know because I didn't live here. And have you managed, do you feel, to recreate that sense of space and welcoming place? Yeah, it's what I've tried to do. It's my own version of that because obviously this, this shop is a lot smaller than the two that I went into. They, the forum was is massive it's in a converted chapel but it still had that sense of space and that you could see things properly um yeah lots of people say they like it in here because they get they like i said get overwhelmed when they go in shops where these books crammed in and you can't can't look at things or feel like you can't touch things and stuff like that and 
you're supposed, when you're starting a business venture, mm-hmm. to have a business plan, okay. to do market research, to have everything <laughs> step by step. Like, you just wandered around I did nothing. Th- yeah. I didn't know how much it was going to cost to set it up. I just asked about rents, looked into um, how much books were going to cost me, how much the fixtures and fittings, like bookcases and things, and then just worked backwards from there in a very naive fashion. I had no idea what I was doing, never set up a business before in my life. Just, I was just so excited and just thought, Let, well, let's try it. You don't know. And if, if it doesn't work, I haven't really lost anything. And how's it going? Really well. Yeah, surprisingly. I think I'm just lucky to be in this business, to be honest. I think um, a lot of, well, clearly a lot of other businesses have struggled. I, don't, I have no idea how hospitality are feeling or how on earth they're even... Here, I admire people that are still here in that business. But in books, people seem to take solace in them during lockdown and that doesn't seem to have abated, really. And I I think I was lucky when I opened because I opened in September 2019. So I had a few months to kind of get myself into people's brains that I was here. If I'd opened just before the pandemic or during, I don't know what would have happened. But it wasn't very long, September 2019, no, and you're... But it's the busiest period in the book trade, apparently. September to December is busy time, and I can attest to that now, having done it. And then 2020 came along. Mm. You've talked about solace. Yeah, a lot of people really seem to turn to books. They didn't really know what else to do, I don't think. Um, books and gardens and TV, that was kind of all we had, wasn't it? And walking in nature, that was about it. And those customers have continued mm. to build? Yeah, yeah. So, so there were a lot of them were people who'd found me already from when I'd opened and they wanted to continue to support me and they needed a supply of books. So they contacted me and said, what are you doing? How can I get books? And then some people found me because of lockdown and they decided they didn't want to support the behemoth that is Amazon anymore and they were looking for something more independent. So they found me online and then got in touch um, so I think there's a few new customers during lockdown. And then I suppose because I was, they were supporting me, but I felt in some respects I was supporting them a bit because I was deliver, hand-delivering to people who didn't want to leave the house. Really? Um, yeah. There was what, these were people who were shielding? Shielding and people who just felt so vulnerable that they just didn't want to go out. They were too scared to go out. So, yeah, I'd go to their houses and leave books on their doorstep. And wow. we used to have chats on the phone, which was really nice. And you talked about behemoths and you talked about <laughs> click, collect, go to checkout. Um, yeah. How do you see the competition? Well, it's <laughs> how, how do you engage yeah. with that? I, I don't know if I necessarily see it as competition. I think I see it as a different thing. I mean, during, during lockdown, obviously, we all had to move a bit more towards that. But I was very resistant and reluctant to set up an online shop because I've never wanted to be an online shop that's not what I'm about I want people to come in I want to have conversations about books I want to enthuse about books and hear people enthusing to me about books that's the biggest joy I think being here is having book conversations and you can't do that online so I didn't set up a shop lots of other bookshops did but I didn't and and encouraged people to still phone me or email me and it was like they were ordering online except they got to talk and converse with a real person and a lot of people said that they really appreciated that especially during lockdown where you weren't seeing people so if you did everything online you could go days without talking to somebody but because people phoned or they emailed and I then phoned them and that kind of thing it was it was 
it's different. So I don't know whether it is in competition or if it's just offering a slightly sideways thing to online. And so the nature of the the types of books that people were ordering were Mm. those, uh, you know, self-help? Were they spiritual? Were they uh, books that were looking for guidance and practical tips on how to cope? You'd think that would be the case, wouldn't you? But no, it was a lot of fiction. Most of the people who ordered books from me wanted fiction. So I think... They wanted escapism. I mean, there were a few people who were ordering, like, The Plague at Camus, and um, there's a history book about the Spanish flu. Sold a few of them because they wanted to see how previous pandemics had played out. Um, but the majority of people, it was, it was fiction and children's books, and people were sending a lot of books to other people. So it wasn't necessarily they were buying books from me for themselves. They were buying books as gifts, and then they were going straight out to friends and family. And what's the bestseller then? What's been... I'm fascinated about the Spanish flu. People actually yeah, wanted to. They, I know. I was surprised they wanted to. I'd been too, I, was, I would have been too scared to read it to find out what would happen. But I guess because you know it did eventually end, maybe you kind of know that there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. So maybe that was why. That's a, I just generally fiction, there was all sorts. I mean, Where the Crawdads thing has been a massive seller for me. Um, so I think a lot of people did all that. Hamnet, Maggie O'Farrell sold a lot of those but just general fiction people just wanted to read stories wanted to take themselves out of themselves and out of this crazy world that we were in I think and I know as well because I've, I've seen it happen you also support local authors mm, yeah tell me how that works um well it happens in all sorts of ways sometimes people come to me directly and say will will you stock my book or sometimes I read about them and get in touch with them and say do you want to put your book in the shop um sometimes if they've got bigger publishers it's the publisher that contacts me to tell me about them but yeah so that that's that's how it works and you've had those authors here you've had signings yeah well obviously I didn't get chance to do much pre-pandemic um I did have a few I think, when I say a few probably did about five or six before lockdown kicked in so before Christmas that was quite good and now, um, it was Independent Bookshop Week a couple of weeks ago, so I had a pop-up tent outside because I thought that would be better for people to be able to see authors and meet authors. That was good. So let's just wind the clock back a little bit. Mm-hmm. We know that you did the Masters in Creative Writing. How did that come about? Was that straight after college? No. <laughs> I've been to university a lot. <laughs> I like university and I've worked in universities. So I went to Anglia Ruskin in Cambridge and finished in 96 stayed there working in the student union for a couple of years then trained to be an English teacher for one year in Leicester we were talking earlier you said you always want to be a journalist I thought I always wanted to be an English teacher but I never really wanted to teach children I wanted to teach adults but then I realized that um, contracts for teaching adults were not easy to come by and a lot of them were short-term contracts so I thought well if I train to teach and teaching a school at least then I've got some job security and that kind of thing so did the training for a year moved back to Cambridge and worked in a school for one term and left and thought this is awful I hate it I just couldn't couldn't cope with it it was just constant so I've got the utmost admiration for teachers I just don't know don't know how they deal with it anyway so did that then worked for a publisher for a little while Elsevier um, on their journals Uh, went to Back to Anglia Ruskin, worked in the law department, then moved to admissions and was there in admissions for seven years. And while I was in admissions, it was then I thought, I want to go back to university and 
study something I'm really interested in. So my first degree was in sociology, then the PGC in English. Then I went back and did an undergrad in creative writing and did really well in it um, and really enjoyed it. So I said to them, can I do a master's as well and got accepted onto the master's. And the bonus was because I worked there, they paid my fees for me. So that was quite nice. And tell us the genre that you enjoyed most. Short story writing, fiction, but specifically short story. That was my specialism. And even stuff like flash fiction. I don't know if you know it, that's teeny tiny, like really, really limited amount of words. And a lot of people see it a bit like prose poetry. So I was interested in that as well. I had a blog about, that was part of my dissertation, was having a blog about prose poetry and flash fiction. Do you find the time to keep that alive? (sighs) Not at the minute, no. (laughs) I did. So when I wasn't working before I opened the shop, I did get back into writing and I thought I'd have a go at writing a novel just for the sake of it. So I got, I think I got about 40,000 words in and then left it for a bit and went back to it recently and went, oh, this is rubbish. So I've abandoned it. (laughs) But it was good to go through the process to do a long piece of writing because I'd never done a long piece of writing before. How are people behaving now that we're hopefully coming towards the end of the various permutations of lockdown? Hmm. Are people staying loyal to you or are they going back to click and go to check out? It seems to be that if people have found me, found the shop, they seem to want to stick with the shop because they ask me for things and sometimes I can't get them or there's a delay and they say, well, I I don't want to buy it from Amazon, so I'm happy to wait. Um, So going back to me not setting up an online shop, a thing um, evolved and happened in November. Do you know about bookshop.org? Have you heard of that? No, tell me. So bookshop.org started off in America and they set themselves up as a competitor to Amazon. So it's an online presence but it's not they're not a shop themselves everybody on it is a shop so i'm they and they launched it in the uk so i have a presence on bookshop.org in the uk and that they act as my online shop so if you wanted to buy a book you could go to bookshop.org and you could just buy it from them and they will give a certain amount of money to all of the bookshops that are on the site but you can also go to bookshop.org, find my shop, and then you can buy it from me. But they do all the processing. They do the picking, the packing, the posting, the customer service and all of that. And it's entirely free for me. I just get money from it. It's a collective then across all the independents. Yeah, and they've, they've started to bring people on... You have to sign up to it by just being an independent bookshop. You're not, not automatically on it. And then you set up your own shop front and create your own lists. And So it's like having shelves from your bookshop on this website. It's really, really nice. And you've talked about what you're doing in the community and local um, support that you have. Have people, people have found you online through the, the, yeah. the portal that you've just described. Yeah. Have people then found, sought you out physically you talked yeah. about your pilgrimage to Northumberland. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Some people found me during lockdown and then, since I've been back open, have come in and said, oh, it's nice to finally be in the shop and to meet you. Where have they come from? Uh, not miles away, but I'm surprised that there's some people in York. And I'm, I think York's got bookshops, so I don't know why they found me. But um, And there's a lady who I've sent quite a few things to near Huddersfield she decided for some reason she liked, liked the cut of my jib um, so she's shopping with me uh, I don't think she's been in yet but she keeps threatening to come in um, yeah it's just it's really nice so. so 
from September 2019, mm. opening to now, we're at the... Mm. Coming up to my second birthday. Wow. And it's it seems like a very straightforward, linear growth and success. Touch with that's what it feels like. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't got the government grants. I mean, I did have a bit of money that had accumulated through being open, but that would have all gone. Um, I wouldn't have been able to pay myself a wage anymore. And the Booksellers Association, I think if I'd not been part of that, it would have been very easy to just crumble and not bother. How did they help them? The community of booksellers is just incredible. Everybody is so supportive of each other. So on Facebook, we've got our own closed forum where we all chat to each other. Um, They they were doing Zoom coffee mornings and you could always, always, always find somebody to talk to. And when it first happened, I was thinking, oh, well, the shop's going to shut. What are we going to do? Can't do anything. And then one of the book trade's main suppliers, Bertram's, they went under, so they closed. So it meant that the supply chain, there was only one supplier left, Gardeners, and they closed for about three or four days, I think. And it was like, okay, game over. There's nothing we can do. All we can do is sell stock we've got in the shop. And if that, that's if people get in touch with it. So it literally felt like it was the end of the road. Literally felt like it was the end of the road. But then gardeners suddenly said, nope, we found a way to make it work. We'll open again with a skeleton staff. And so that we went through so many different changes. So it was, you couldn't order anything from them being closed. Then it was, you could only order one book per package. So even if you wanted eight books, they could only send you one book at a time because all of the books were in different parts of the warehouse and they couldn't let people mix or mingle. So it was just one book per package. Then they managed to make it so you could send more than one book in a package and then they gradually built it back up again to how they... I don't know how they did it, but they found ways to make it work while keeping the people safe and to keep us going. It very much felt like they felt a responsibility for us, which was really quite moving and the booksellers association with everybody talking to each other because there there were people who just thought well I I can't I can't do this I can't make it work and there were times when I thought I couldn't do it either because it felt it felt like I was doing a heck of a lot more work for not much reward and you don't feel like when when you're working from home I never felt like I could shut off so here you come to work it's 10 to 5 you open the door you close the door when you're at home People are emailing you and sending you Facebook messages. I felt like I had to respond really quickly because if I didn't, they'd go somewhere else and buy it somewhere else or or they'd think they were getting poor customer service because everybody was sitting at home just waiting for emails to come through or replies to messages. So I found that quite hard. It felt like I was working 20 hours a day most of the time. What was the darkest moment? I don't think... Thankfully, I don't think I had enough time to sit around and worry about it because things were changing so quickly. Every but you day. saw other businesses that I saw were other going... businesses that were struggling. I know a few bookshops did close. Luckily for me, I'm, I'm in good health. I'm young enough to sort of cope. But the, the ones that I've seen struggle are people who've had their shops for a long time and they're older and they've got underlying health conditions and they just didn't feel like they could invite covid back into their life so if we were looking at a graph then of what had happened to independent booksellers historically said the previous five years Mm. in terms of the numbers and then pre-pandemic when you came along 
and where we are now. What's happened to that graph? Is it going well, up, down, sideways? Bizarrely, I think it's still gone up. Because I know when I opened in 2019, they were saying there were more independent bookshops than there ever had been. And I think that's still the case, because even though some have closed, they've still been more opened. And some people have opened during the pandemic. They've not let it stop them, and they're doing really well. Because of the human connection? I think so, yeah. I think it's driven people to realise that businesses are not businesses, they're about people. And I think that's what we realised with the whole um, like supermarkets and things like that, valuing your people, your key workers, valuing those people that keeps your, keep your life how you want it to be and, and make your life a nice experience. It's people. Do you get a sense of encouragement and loyalty then? Mm, def- but I have done right from the start. But obviously I'd not been open very long, so I didn't know what to expect when it all happened. But yeah, pe- no, people were really, really kind and really keen to... They said, we want you to still be here when this is all over, which is so lovely. So, so nice. That keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. And going back... On all the different things that you've done in your career today, involved, we've talked about the academic life, we've talked mm. about teaching. Do you feel that you've now stumbled into your vocation? Yes. Yeah, best decision I ever made. It was the most blind decision I'd ever made, but definitely the best. And I think I think it's the only job I've had for this long. Where I think there's only been two days I didn't want to come to work, and that was because it was a nice sunny day and I wanted to be in the garden, <laughs> and I'd got gardening to do. That was the only reason. No. Yeah, it's fu- just a joy coming to work every day. And the future? Uh, so I've got a six-year contract coming up for two now. So I've got another four years here. We'll see what happens after that. Yeah. And looking back, right from your earliest days, before you went to university, mm-hmm. would you have ever imagined yourself as running a bookshop in a, a little uh, quiet no, market town like this? I wouldn't, but I don't know why. Because I'm an, I'm an only child... And I've always read, and I do, like, every Saturday, my mum and my nan used to take me out and buy me a book from the toy shop that was also a book, that had a book section. And I've always been obsessed with books. I've always read, ever since I can remember, going to bed means reading. And mum was always coming up and telling me, you've got to turn your light out now and go to sleep. I said, like, well, I just want to finish this bit. Always. So it's not surprising, and doing creative writing and... I just don't know how I didn't think of it before. I feel a bit foolish, a bit silly that I didn't think of it before. Maybe it was coming here and I do feel like Settle, since I've moved to Settle, it's given me the opportunity to do a lot more things than I did in Cambridge. In Cambridge, I felt a bit suffocated because there's so many people and there's so many dynamic people doing this, that and the other. You couldn't even join the photography group, for example, local photography group. There was a waiting list as long as your arm. Coming here, if you want to do that, it's like everyone's, yeah, welcomes you with open arms. Um, and I set up the beer festival at Victoria Hall that last year would have been the fifth year that we'd done it. And doing stuff like that in Cambridge was just impossible. But here... You, you set up the beer yeah, festival. Yeah, that's, I, that was my thing. <laughs> I don't know. Again, it was, it, was one of the, it was another one of those moments. Oh, I love beer festivals. And I was try, trying to get, because I'm a member of Camera, so the campaign for Real Ale, and I was trying to get it the local people to get together because I wanted to go to beer festivals but obviously we're going to beer festivals we can't drive so I thought well if we could get a pool of people then maybe we could take it in turns to go to beer festivals went into the beer fest um to Victoria Hall to put a poster up to try and uh, contact people I said to Anne I said I've always wanted to run a beer festival wouldn't that be fun and she said I thought it'd be great to have a beer festival here and we both and again we both looked at each other and went shall we should we have a go 
And she said, well, yeah, if you, if you want to, you can run it here, have a beer festival here if you want. So that's what I did. Set, wow. set up a beer festival there. And it's coming back, is it? Yeah, it should be. It didn't happen last year and it's not this year. They did, they're doing sort of like a mini thing in, in winter, which will, I think I'm going to have a bit of input, like choosing the beer, because that was part of my joy, choosing the beer and racking it up and getting doing the tapping and venting and getting covered in beer and serving it. It's just lovely chatting to people about beer. So I suppose it's quite similar to this. If I'd not done that, if I'd not worked in the lingerie shop and the in home's interior shop and got that insight into being in a shop again as an adult, because I'd worked in shops, but not since I was like in my 20s. So things were different. Maybe if I'd not had all those experiences first here in Settle, this, this wouldn't have happened. So Settle made this happen for me. Beer and books. Beer and books. <laughs> that would be my dream. Yes. A so, beer and bookshop, that would be great. <laughs> and your favourite reads, what do you default to? I am an absolute fiction addict. I just, every now and again, I'll read something non-fiction, but I get bored really easily. It's, it's stories, stories carry me along. I didn't turn the light off until five past one this morning because I was enjoying my book so much. I thought, I can't leave it there. I've got to finish it. I need to know what happens. Yeah. And as soon as one finishes, I'm straight on to the next one even though I do sometimes feel a bit bereft of characters after I've spent a bit of time with them. You don't take yourself into self-help corner then, do you? No. <laughs> no. No, I just get absolutely addicted to fiction and stories and I get so excited and enthusiastic about them. I bore people to tears when they come in sometimes. Can you recommend a book? Yes, and then I start reading off it. I say, yeah, OK, OK, I've got enough now. Uh, I'll choose one. <laughs> and we've got this real insight now into Tanya's life. Mm. What we don't know is how many books are by the bedside. Oh, I, I try to be good. When I've finished one, I try and take it away. I've got a reading diary that I keep because I read so much. I often forget or muddle up what's happened in which. So as soon as I finish a book, I get my reading diary out. I write down what I thought about it and when I read it. And then I can move on to the next one. So, and then that gets put on my shelf in alphabetical order. No, I do not put my books at home in colour, coordinated order. It freaks me out when people do that. <laughs> How do you find your book when you know you need, need it and you want to lend it to somebody or you need to tell them that something's in it? You need to know what colour the cover is. I can't remember what colour the covers of books are. So, yeah, it's like the shop at home, but without the face-outs. So, so. you mentioned your, your book diary. Mm -hmm. What do you do with the reviews? During lockdown, I started putting... Um, what I was reading each month so it fascinates me and I love it when people come in going oh I saw that book you talked about on your blog or on the Facebook page I, I want to read that one or can you tell me more about that one I really really enjoy that I like that and the famous authors the celebrities and so on have you reached out to any of those through the publishing houses bizarrely some of them have reached out to me wow. uh, I don't know if you saw probably a couple of months ago now there was a man in the shop and there was a young girl and her mum and they were, she was reading bits of books out to her, her mum and he got, he sort of like was watching them. He was sitting here actually looking at books, what he was going to buy. And he suddenly walks up to the counter and he goes, have you got the lost words? I said, yeah. He said, can I buy it? I said, yeah, okay. So took it to the counter and he paid. And then he walks up to this little girl and he said, this is for you. And it's a big, beautiful, beautifully illustrated book and it's written by Robert McFarlane and it's all about words that have got lost from children's dictionaries and he just gave it to her because he said you clearly love books and you love reading and I want you to to have this this is a present and her mum looked at me and I looked at her and we were both welling up with tears and I was like oh, this is amazing so I put 
on Twitter what had happened, and I think it got something like ridiculous, like 5,000 retweets or something crazy. And then Robert McFarlane got in touch with me himself and he said, well, this is so lovely. I feel like I should continue this. So he bought a copy as well from me and told me to give it to somebody at the right moment. And since then, that other customers come in and he did it again. He bought another one and he said, I like this. Just just give this one. How, how gorgeous and lovely is that? We talked about business. We talked about people. Mm-hmm. The two are interdependent. Mm-hmm. What's the driver for you? Things like that and things like when I've recommended a book to somebody and then they come back and they buy another one to give to a friend and when they've told other people and somebody comes in and says, oh, you recommend... Just spread, again, like Stuart, spreading the love of books and how they make you feel. That's the driver for me. Just making people feel nice. I think that's, that's the point for me. This doesn't... It is a job... And it is a shop, but that's more, not what it feels like. It feels more like a service, more of a... It feels more personal than that. I'm not just selling people stuff. I'm selling people things that they're going to spend hours and hours with, with and get enjoyment from and feel something from. So that's... And that, I felt like that when I worked in the lingerie shop. Yes, I was selling bras and knickers, but I was making people feel better because some people used to come in and say, oh, I haven't worn a bra for years because they're so uncomfortable. And you put them in a bra and they break down in tears and say, you've changed my life. I feel like a woman again. Things, things like that. The human, humanness of books and is similar, I think. It's going to be a first when you have a bras, bo- <laughs> books, <laughs> bras, beer books and beer. Everything to do with bees, you see. It's all about the bees. <laughs> <laughs> The Three Bees Bookshop, that's what it could be. Books, bras and beer. How, how amazing would that be? <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a great success. Thank you, Tanya. <laughs>